Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Searcy podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Searcy campus, you can text the word Searcy to 88000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. Thank you all so much for being here on a beautiful Sunday. You guys look great today. Um, it's it's tight in here, but just make some room, okay? We're going to enjoy uh, being together this morning. Um, thank you, Johnson. Thank you, Craig and Lauren. Uh, we're excited about student ministry um, and what's next. Um, but Craig and Lauren, I don't know if, if he mentioned this. I wasn't list, listening well at all. Um, he... Uh, he he has been with us for 15 years as a student pastor, and so I just want to thank him for his loyalty, and um, uh, he was actually serving as a student pastor, and then Lauren came, and it got really good after that, so um, I'm just thankful for them and what the Lord has for our church next, so let me hop in today because um, we are in a series called Don't Be That Couch. We started this uh, last week, and this is really a series on the core of our, our church. So um, if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go to YouTube and watch it or wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, catch up because this series is going to build off of the last one. And so um, let me recap for just a second. Don't be that couch and the premise behind it was really this, that my grandparents bought a couch in the 40s and then they covered it in plastic. And um, I don't know if you guys had ever done that or seen that growing up, but it was basically to uh, keep off um, all the things that a grandkid could bring to it or tea or coffee. And before too long, the couch ultimately became something that was managed rather than enjoyed. So it came with a lot of rules. It came with um, a, a lot of things that said, hey, let's, let's, let's not use the couch this morning. Um, and we just wanted to manage it. And I talked about how uh, last week about how it's, it's easy for the church to become that if we're not careful, um, that it's just something we manage and we don't enjoy anymore, that it just comes with a lot of rigid rules and it becomes the religion that Jesus addressed uh, in his life here to say, hey, this is not what it's all a, a about. Let me bring this back together. And so um, we're in a comeback series, like uh, welcome back, get back, re-engage, um, let's see what the Lord has for us around the corner kind of series. And so um, it's very, very straight talk. I had several of, of you last week say, hey, thank you for being so straight. I haven't, um, you know, because I apologized last week for it. And uh, they were like, man, you, you've not talked that straight in a while. And so um, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And this morning is going to be kind of the, uh, the same feel. But I want you to um, go with me. Uh, this morning, I am going to uh, read in just a moment from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can go ahead and go there and put your, put your finger in there, but I want to start out today by talking out uh, one of history's mysteries. <clears throat> and I want to do that by making a question, and the question is this, how did a first century cult birthed during the Roman Empire, whose leader 
was rejected and crucified by his own people survive in the face of a violent, organized, and state-funded resistance that for 300 years sought to extinguish it. And I want to read that one, one more time because that was a little, little long. How did a first-century cult birthed during the Roman Empire, whose leader was rejected and crucified by his own people, survive in the face of a violent, organized, and state-funded resistance that for 300 years sought to extinguish it. How did this thing survive? That we're even here this morning could be miraculous. That all the teachings of Jesus and all the story and, and all, all the power that happened in that moment could have been extinguished by now. But here we are. It's miraculous. Karen Armstrong wrote in her book, Fields of Blood, she said, against all odds, by the third century, Christianity had become a force to be reckoned with. And she ends that paragraph saying, we still do not understand how that came to be. So part of understanding this mystery is paying close attention to those who were with Jesus those who saw it all firsthand, those who experienced him themselves, who wrote down as much as they could so that the story of Jesus could be communicated forward. What's interesting is that Jesus actually predicted this. He and his entire team were in Syria, and he basically asked them, what are people saying about me? Now, that, that can be dangerous at times, right? But he, he asked them, what? What are y'all hearing? And they give him some feedback, and they will say, well, some say that you're a resurrected prophet. Uh, some say you're John the Baptist. And they're, they're going on, and he interrupts them, and he says, but, but who do you guys think I am? And, and Peter, of all people, finally gets one right, and he says, we think that you're the son of God. And he says, you're right. And then he goes into this great statement where he says, and on, on this rock I will build my, and the word here is ecclesia. And this word really means gathering. It doesn't mean a, a, a place. That word kind of got pulled in as a house of worship, but what it really means is an assembly, a gathering. So he's saying, upon this rock I will build a gathering. I will build an assembly. And then he says, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And we've always preached that through our Western lens um, after reading, you know, 1500s culture or, or literature is that we say, oh, the gates, the gates of hell. Well, they didn't look at hell like the way we looked at hell. It was considered Hades a place of death. So what he was saying is, even death can't stop it. And he's referencing himself. A death can't stop it. Peter, your death can't stop it. John, yours can't stop it. Nothing's going to stop this movement. So it's one of my favorite Bible prophecies about how he will build his church, his ecclesia, his assembly, his gathering, is because... 
He predicted us. He predicted you and I that we would gather, that we would assemble together to remember his story, to talk of him, to share his love, to live our lives the way he wanted us to, and we would keep that story moving forward some 2,000 years later. He was telling them that what we're about to start together is not going to end with us. This thing is going to be so much bigger. Now keep in mind that Rome did not like new movements. Temple leaders did not like new movements. Most people in general did not like new movements. And they all knew what happened to people who started new movements. But this is why the gospel writers are clear that Jesus' death is not the death of his gathering. That Jesus would build his ecclesia is predicting us. That we would gather, even though we had never physically touched him, audibly heard him, personally witnessed his life, death, and resurrection, yet something in all of us attests that this story is true. You're here this morning because you believe it. You're here this morning because a gospel writer wrote a story and that thing got communicated forward and forward and forward until until it landed on a generation that shared it with you. And now here we are, sharing this story. He gave his life for us. And then he asked that we give our lives for each other. He believed in this so much that he taught this is how others are going to believe that we are with him. They will see how well we love each other, and they will say there's something about that. Our gathering, our assembly, our people will be different. They they will stand out. There's an atheist who's a popular author. His name is Bart Ehrman. And in his book, The Triumph of Christianity, keep in mind this is from an atheist author, he writes this, Christianity not only took over an empire, it radically altered the lives of those living in it. It was a revolution that affected the understanding of what billions of people had about what it means to be a human. No one could deny it was the most monumental cultural transformation our world Has ever seen. I bring this back into this message this morning because this word cultural transformation, I think, is the key here. It's the most important thing because the church needs to be reminded that we're still shaping and transforming the culture around us. We don't just have to be a boat in a river that we cannot control, we can be a rock in a river that changes the trajectory of how it flows. The church is going to be something of strength. It is going to be something that is able to change people's lives and marriages. It is transformative, and we have to continue to believe in this story and tell this story and live out this story and stop wrapping it in plastic and hoping that someone doesn't touch it. Now listen for a second. I want you to really get this. We are the stewards of this story right now. The ecclesia that Jesus started is in our hands. 
And I want that to sink in for a moment. The faith of another generation is in our hands. Communicating this story forward is in our hands. We are the stewards, the ones responsible for how this thing moves forward, belongs to you and I. And we need to feel the weight of that as a church. Because we have a choice to make, okay? Here's where it starts to get really strong this morning. We got a choice. We can either consume the mess out of our ecclesia. You could come in and get content and leave and just say, man, that was good, and you can make sure that you go to heaven and your kids go to heaven, and you can just say, I'm good, and you, you can cherry pick from this church what, what you like. You can leave behind what you don't, and you can just consume the content that you want to consume and leave. Or you can consume and contribute. You can drink and refill it. You can take from it and give back to it. You can receive it and you can replenish it. Or we can leave our ecclesia looking like a field after locusts have left it. We can just be consumers of content. Now here's what's bizarre about our era. This is not like the 50s or the 60s church. Because content is at your fingertip. And if you want to hear better preaching than what you get here, you can find it the second you leave. You, you, you can pull from thousands of Christian speakers and authors and podcasts, and you can download like crazy and just be a consumer of content. I love our worship team, but you can get online and you can find better worship teams. You, you can just download and download and download and be a consumer of content. So the content is not necessarily why we're coming. The power is in the gathering. It's in the assembly. What makes a church strong is its people. Is the fact that you and I are together. This is why COVID was awful on the, the church. Because it was scattered. No one was together. No one was on the same page. And here's what the experts are saying. The experts are saying that the church in America is dying. And the pandemic just sped up the process. Now, do you know who determines whether or not that statement is true? We do. We are stewards of the story. We get to determine... Whether or not that statement that the church in America is dying is true, you and I. And we can step back and we can hope that there's some form of miracle, that there's resuscitation, that something happens, or we can get in and roll our sleeves up and put seed into the soil and share this story and get out into a community and invite people to a gathering, to an assembly, where the Spirit of God can be felt. You are 
the church. You are our church. Will we steward this well? So I want to take just a few minutes. I want to speak straight. Part of my job sometimes is just to tell you. It's just to come out with it. And there are a lot of things I cannot tell you because I'm not an expert in them. I cannot tell you how often to exercise or what you should eat. Now I can look at myself in the mirror and say, you should probably exercise. I cannot tell you how many kids to have. I cannot tell you if you can afford a new car. I cannot tell you if you need to go to college or just watch YouTube. I can't tell you. But I can tell you as a spiritual leader with a lot of confidence that it is God's will for your life to be involved in your church, to steward it, to love it, to put your hands on it, to do more than pull up and eat from it like a buffet and then run off. It is God's will for your life to be involved in your gathering. Let me show this to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 27. I'm going to read from the NIV quickly. It says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one, everybody say each one, of you is a part of it. Let's back up just a little bit and go to chapter 12, verse 15. This is what he says. I love this. He says, If the foot should say, Because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Now let me teach this. He says, you are part of this. You're part of the story When you made me the Lord of your life, you are part of the body and you cannot escape that. But you got to figure out which part you are, be happy with that part, and use that part so that the body can do what it needs to. And he's saying there's going to be some people, okay, that are going to say, well, I don't want to be the foot. I I feel like I'm the foot and it's a little stinky and I don't want to. It's a little jammy down here. I want to be the hand. I don't like being in socks all day, wearing these orthopedic shoes. I want to be the hand. You know, listen, you gotta be, you you can't just take your stuff and go home. Just because you don't want to be the foot doesn't mean that you're not the body. This is what he's saying. He's saying some people are saying, well, I don't want to be the ear, I want to be the eyeball. I want to be the brain. I'm the brains of this operation. Tell me you don't know somebody that's like that, okay? I'm not going to look at you. I'll do this. (laughs) I don't want to be the ear. He says, no, you are part of the body, each and every one of you. Every person in here, you have a part to play. You are part of of the body. You cannot just take your stuff and go home. You are attached. This is the part that I want to stress. You are part of a body and you are attached. Now let me ask this this morning. Have you ever seen a picture 
of a disconnected body part? I'm going to show you one. Put that on. No, I'm kidding. But if, if you... If you've never seen a picture of a disconnected body part, of an amputated limb, let me tell you something. It's gross. All right? When there's not an attachment, it's gross. And it dies. And it stinks. And it's ugly. And it's got to be disposed of. So I want all of us to say this out loud. I want us to say, don't be gross, be engaged. Okay, let's say it together. Don't be gross, be engaged. Now turn to the person beside you and say it. Don't be gross, and you can probably stop there. Just don't, don't be gross. <laughs> don't be gross. Okay, stay connected. Be part of the body. Find what you do well and use it for the assembly, for the gathering. So I'll tell you again, this is God's will for your life. And some of you have been in neutral for a long time and you need to re-engage. You need to come back and connect again. You need to make the church part of your life again because you are part of the body. And I could tell you that we need you, but I can equally tell you that you need us. You need the church to fulfill something in your life that you don't get to do every day, all day long. There's a part of your life that is spiritual, and the church is the only place for you to utilize that gift. Let us help you. Let us plug you in and connect you. I could beg you. I could tell you that volunteerism was low post-COVID. I could tell you I got a little life room right now that needs to be open that can't because it can't be staffed. I could tell you that we need some people to step up and work the parking lot and pour coffee and teach kids and play an instrument and work a camera and rock a baby. I could beg you, but I won't. What I will do is invite you on a journey that Jesus started 2,000 years ago. I invite you to join the story. And if you've been on the sidelines, then it's time. As a pastor, as a spiritual leader, I'm telling you, it's time. Don't abandon this part of your life. You're part of the, of the body. Move something. Pick something up. See something. Hear something. Speak something. Push blood to other ministries. Whatever, you, whatever is your thing, you are part of the body, and I invite you, and I'm not inviting you to come work something. I'm inviting you to participate in something that is bigger than we're ever going to be, and when all of us are gone, it'll still be here. A social study was done, and the outcome of that study was that in communities where there was a thriving church, Things were different. You guys have probably read similar studies. The kids were safer. Marriages were stronger. Crime was lower. The community tended to express kindness through events and outreaches. Why? Because the church is still the hope of the world. And if we have forgotten that, bring it back in. 
We're the hope of the world. Something that can transform and shape culture. So let me give you in these last few minutes, let me give you some ways that you can be part of this body, okay? These, these are all simple, but if you're a note taker, you'll like these. The first one is I want you to listen for come sit with me opportunities, okay? Come sit with me. I'm going to preach these from three knots, okay? The three knots that you need to listen to is I'm not in church. Well, come sit with me, okay? Things are not going well. Well, come sit with me. And then not, not prepared for, okay? Like, we just got married. We just moved here. We just had a baby. We just dropped our kid off at college. Come sit with me. This moves you from consumer to contributor. It is such an easy way to look around a room and look. You, you can tell the people who are here for the first time, they look like this. Come sit with me. Are y'all new? Yeah, yeah, come sit with me. I'm going to make, make room. Come sit with me. Look for some opportunities to bring someone into your life, into our assembly, into this gathering. You want to know why the early church was growing daily? Because they were saying, come sit with me. Come on. Be on, on this journey. Join our, our assembly. Join our gathering. Second way for you to be part of the body is to get in a small group. And I'm going to talk about this in two Sundays from now. Pastor Rick always says, I don't want to be a part of a church getting bigger unless I can simultaneously be a part of a church getting smaller. Our small groups are where we find the accountability, the friendships. If all you do is this, In, in your faith journey, you're going to be lacking. But to sit in someone's living room and tell your story, to be heard, to pray over each other. And listen, I, I'm, I'm going to be straight with you, okay? Some of y'all say, well, Kevin, listen, we had some, we started a group, it was great, but some people left. And Kevin, we had this really odd couple that came. They were the Rowdens. I don't, I don't know exactly what... They were just odd. Kevin, our group kind of fizzled. I don't think we're going to do it again. Why? Why not? If it goes bad, find another group. Make another group. We got to fight for community in our church. I can promise you when I was dating, if I had a bad date, I didn't say I'm not dating again. I waited on Friday night and I did it again. Can I get a witness, somebody? All right, all the men are with me. My wife's rolling her eyes over here. Do it again. And third, volunteer somewhere. Find a place here to put in some time. Be involved in your ecclesia. Just let, let me be, this is, 
as straight as I can be here, but do you know that all 17 of our campuses are built by busy people? All 17 of our campuses are driven by busy people. You know, David Bunting, our our worship leader, is part-time. He'll work 40, 50 hours at his job and then come up here and lead us in worship. Week after week after week after week after week. For 15 years. You don't think people are busy? People are busy. But you make time for what you want to make time for. When I really get the itch to play golf, you know what I do? I find the time. I make it happen. I go to Robbie, I say, listen, woman, this is what I'm going to do today. I'm actually like, hey, Robbie. Would it, would it be okay? I'm kidding. I know you're busy. People are busy. Life is busy. Your kids are busy. But we will make time for what we want to make time for. It's a rule of life. So join us. Don't be that couch. Don't wrap your life in plastic, hoping that nothing happens to it. Don't guard your, your faith journey. Don't. Don't hide it away. Don't say this is for my family and my kids and that's all that I needed it for. Don't just consume content. No, give back. You're part of a body. Activate that part for us. It's very hard on a body when there is paralysis involved. It's very hard when you're you're just pulling a part of the body along saying, please come in this direction. Man, when everybody's moving, when everybody's doing their part, when the ears are listening and the mouth is speaking and the brain is thinking and the heart is pumping and the feet are moving, when all those joints and tendons and all the things that you can't see or know there or that you can't put your finger on are all working together in harmony, it's a powerful, powerful union. And that is what Paul is saying the church is like. Join in. Be part of it. All right? I want you to bow your heads with me really quick this morning.